than the law. Right or wrong, we had a deal. And the law says, bust a deal, face the wheel. Bust a deal and face the wheel. Chris Galsey here with Matt Howell. And this week on The First Run, we join the revolution and get our eco-terrorism on with how to blow up a yeah. pipeline. <laughs> Chris is down. He's making bombs right now. No, he's not. FBI, don't come. That's right. <laughs> then we put on our corpse paint and wrap up our heist marathon with the Hughes Brothers' Dead Presidents. As always, we run down the physical media releases, give you our straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week, and then we'll wrap up the show with our Heist Marathon Awards. So let's sabotage some property with how to blow up a pipeline. Listen, if I touch or even jostle this primer too much, it could detonate. I need you to take this some 20 yards back. If anything goes wrong, then... Uh... Don't come in unless I tell you to. Unless you see fire. Don't come in. Got it. Yeah, Matt, let's blow some shit up. All right, let's actually do our best not to end up on a watch list. So let's try <laughs> carefully here. Yes. What is how to blow up a pipeline, all of that? So a group of young people um, who are variously affected by the oil industry, whether they are sick or they've lost someone to illness, their land is being taken away by eminent domain, or maybe they're just young idealists who want to try and get something done and make a difference, band together and decide that they are going to blow up a pipeline. And it basically follows each one of their singular stories in flashback as they prepare to blow up a oil pipeline. There you go. So, Matt, this film is getting... It's interesting. It was getting a lot of kind of early buzz. I was reading about it online. It seems to be everybody saying, oh, it's really, really good. And it's... I think it's still playing in some theaters, maybe, but not many. Mm -hmm. I feel it kind of came and went. It's the latest film from uh, Neon, which is my current favorite A24 type thing, right? We had the A24 wave for a while, Mm -hmm. which is still good. Yeah. But um, I'm more in the Neon camp right now, and I get really excited for their productions. And this is based on a book, I understand as well, a nonfiction novel that kind of explains more social justice movements and argues that maybe property destruction is a valid means to kind of stop what is potentially the resulting death of our planet from our continued use of fossil fuels. And we make an adaptation of it now and then Law enforcement and government officials were basically putting out feelers or heads notifications to local law enforcement and to these companies. Mm -hmm. Say, listen, we think this film could generate some violence and you should be on your toes on this and be fully aware. Now, there's been nothing of the sort. Sure. So I'm glad to hear that, at least not yet. But what do you think of how to blow up a pipeline, Matt? It is a thrilling, engaging message film. Or is it just a manipulative way to take advantage of potentially a real crisis? What were your thoughts on it? Why not both? And what is it about? Maybe should I start there? That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. Why not both? So I think, yeah, I think it's it's certainly riveting. The performances are solid throughout. 
the kind of pot boiler crime, I dare say, almost heist-like aspect of this is, you know, really fun to watch. Mm. It's very engaging. I was, you know, entertained as I'm watching it. The backstories and stories are all well thought out and, and you know, they are sympathetic people. But at the same time, this definitely has is a message film. And as I got done watching this, I'm like, I get the impression that they would like me to go out and blow up a pipeline um, after watching this. <laughs> and especially with the kind of final shots of... of you know, the message spreading, you know, very fight clubby kind of thing going on. So mm-hmm. I I think as a piece of storytelling, it's really good and it's really entertaining. As a message film, I think the message is important. And I think it's important to have people think about these kinds of things. But I think the call to action may be misguided. And I, I kind of am glad to hear that maybe people aren't out there sabotaging. And I understand why people take these drastic steps. But, you know it's kind of a drop in the bucket and it's not a long-term solution kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know. Should I say that I understand these people's reasoning behind all of this? I mean, I understand it. I just don't know how effective it is. True. But I don't, man, I don't, sometimes I don't know. I mean, it, when you look back at the past, historically in this country, it's, what do they say? One person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. Right. Right. And if you look at all the stuff that has actually had seismic change throughout history, particularly here in this country, it tends to involve some type of armed rebellion mm-hmm. type of thing. Well, at least not maybe not armed, but just passive resistance isn't always the best route. There needs, I sometimes think, need to be some more forceful agitators for certain things. All right. So um, I, I don't know, man. It, in regards to its message and its request for action i think you're entirely right that it is pretty obvious in its intentions Mm -hmm. yeah i don't i don't know maybe that's all i should say about that i think the film has a real sense of movement and i think we achieve that through these kind of quick cuts and these these slow kind of zooms that kind of speed up these particular scenes and it starts right away i think the film really grabs you by your area and never really lets go throughout its entire runtime. And I think there's a few things that make it work, not just the filmmaking style. I think the score does some heavy lifting on this as well. It really adds to that. I could swear, Matt, I think at some point there's a muted fire alarm mm. that's part of the sound design or at least the score in the film that runs through a lot of the key scenes. And I also think that it has a nonlinear narrative. So instead of taking time to develop our characters in the beginning and introduce who they are, we get kind of the pieces, like you said, of their origins and what brought them to where they are when we hit significant points in the film for them and shows them to be how each one is relevant and how each one of their stories kind of ties together. There's a there's a feign, a tease, about halfway through as well where you think something may be going on mm-hmm. that may usurp or stop our, our eco-terrorists, if you will. And um, that plays out, I think, really smartly and really well. But um, yeah, there's so much that I think that has going for it. The sound design, as I said, is just crucial, I think, here in upping the states. And I enjoy the wordplay of the title, right? I think it's not just a simple call to arms, how to blow up a pipeline. It's more, I don't know, there's just a lot more into it than just the physical action of the title that it suggests. And I think it deals with some weighty questions, uh, like what happens if we don't act? Do people have to take action on their own? 
I mean, we fought revolutions over less than this, which is the potential extermination of, of our species on the planet. And now I'm not worried so much about the planet itself. Mm-hmm. We're basically going to get wiped out mm-hmm. at some point due to something. And I think I love all the scientists that are constantly freaking out. And I think justifiably so over global warming mm-hmm. that's going to release these potential biological things into the environment that we're just not prepared to handle. Mm-hmm. But in the end, you know, it's going to be kind of last of us type stuff where nature will eventually reassert itself and take back over. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what's going to happen. So I do take a weird kind of solace in that in an odd way that we probably will be responsible for our own end and the planet will move on. But still, in regards to the film itself, it is very good. It is unrelenting in how it deals with all of its characters. I think having a mostly unknown cast really kind of helps us focus on the task and the message at hand as well. And I think it's a really, in the end, a riveting kind of eco-terrorist thriller. And you, you do it does have that kind of heist feel to it. I think you're exactly right. And I would love to do, I would say, if you want two ends of the same coin if you want to watch if you're in the mood for something more like this i would say double feature this with um schrader's first reformed with ethan hawk which is another deeply strong message film that i don't know i guess may end up getting you on a watch list i'm not sure (laughs) yeah i think it's interesting because i i can see it's obviously existential threats of you know our generation and it's only getting worse and people are not paying attention to it and I agree with you that things do take action, but it's always question about these kind of extreme ends of the action that don't seem to get widespread mm-hmm. support. And that's really what you need, right? And the other two is you could have a even vi- more violent reaction to it, or not so much violence, but it could double down and make things worse. Yeah, right. The reaction to some type of activity like that. And these things aren't victimless. I mean, they talk about many times mm-hmm. that, you know, this is going to cause gas prices to go up. There will be a shortage. This is going to affect the 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 poor and the the, the less economically stable the most. Yep. They kind of brush past that, that that's worth it kind of thing. But, you know, it's, again, it's not an easy solution. If this was easy, then obviously we would have solved it by now. But it's it's interesting that I agree that we have to do something. And I, I if somebody decided to go out and do this, I wouldn't necessarily hold it against them. I would understand why, but I don't know if it's, the, like I said, I don't know if it's a long-term answer. We got to do something, but I don't know what that is. I think you can just buy an EV, get some solar power, as opposed to going out and, and blowing up a pipeline that's going to affect however many people. Or if you do it wrong, create an ecological disaster. Yeah, exactly right. And it does touch on that kind of stuff as well. I do have conversations about it. That the plan does basically mostly come through to its fruition everything kind of works out as it's supposed to but you're entirely right you could create some type of disaster and make things worse the problem is individual actions per se in your own personal life are not going to make the dent that needs to happen that's part of the problem it's the larger corporations and it's it's honestly matt one of them is shifting the food we eat as well I remember when I found out like how much of the land mass in this country is dedicated to feeding cattle for human consumption. It blew my mind. I, it's incredible. There's a lot of that stuff that we have to, as socially, as a culture, we would have to change. We're getting, I'm getting a far field here. I think one of the most, one of the greatest achievements of the film now is that not only is it this kind of relentless thriller, but I think if people do watch it, it will spark conversation, mm-hmm. which is not always what 
comes out of media like this. So I think the film should be seen by everybody. Now, I don't want it to inspire acts of domestic terrorism. I want it to inspire conversation and action. Sure. And I hope it will. Part of me feels like, I don't know, that's just the muted response to it online is really interesting to me. I think it had some mild advertisements, and I don't know if it's because it's Neon, which is a smaller company. Right. I don't know if it's a weird thing to say, but if you take the ecological terrorism part out of it, it is a really, just as I said, relentless thriller that will just really envelop you and you will be sucked into this thing. So if you're just a fan of cinema and that kind of stuff, you're going to like this movie. Well, the conspiracy theorists of me would say that that's intentional, that the powers that be probably don't want this thing to be advertised and are probably doing what they can to suppress right. it. Um, if Especially if they're going so far as to say, watch out for copycat you know, crimes and things like that. There's so much to worry about. People are so apathetic. I mean, you remember An Inconvenient Truth from 10 years ago you know how much buzz yeah. was around that and nobody talks about it anymore not much changed your local lord your duke down there in florida is saying that climate change is you know politicizing the environment kind of thing so i don't know i mean all yeah i think it all starts we have to get some fundamental change in our our right-wing neighbors to make some changes and some ideas or social resolution to eat the rich you know bring back the guillotine take some lessons from france kind of thing but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it was, you know, some kind of some money changed hands. Don't push it, that kind of thing. Don't advertise it. And we'll see what happens. It needs a large, strong government push because I get it, man. People are just trying to get through the day, you know, get their kids to soccer yeah. practice, get home, make dinner. And that's everybody's life. And I totally that's why you need people in power to do the responsible and do the right thing. And is it going to be difficult? Is it going to be painful? Yeah, it is. But the government has the ability to offset those costs mm -hmm. and those, that pain as well. But it needs to work together to do it, which is unfortunately not the environment we're in. I was thinking the other day too, Matt, about the stuff, you know, when France uh, elevated or r rose their uh, retirement age to 63 right. or four, was it? Yeah. And they were riding in the streets. And, I'm th and I was like, why does that not happen here? Right. With all the stuff that happens. And I think, well, I think I know what it is, is that in that country, the revolution there happened within the country itself. And that is like burned into the DNA of that populace. Here, the revolution occurred from a country across the ocean. And we don't have that in us. And I really think that's part of it, is that we don't have a collective conscience where... Let, let, let them eat cake? No, we're going to roll out the guillotines. We don't have that here because of the, it's so ingrained in who they are. Yeah, I think part of it, though, is what's the famous quote? I think it's misinter I think it's miscontributed to Steinbeck. I'm paraphrasing. Americans don't think that they're poor. They think that they're briefly embarrassed millionaires. So we have this idea that at any time, we're going to be in the 1%. And when we're there... We want to get it. We want to get what's ours. We want to be what's what they're doing. Right. And unfortunately, again, I'm sorry if you're Republican and listening to this, I have no sympathy for you, but it's just a matter of they've convinced half the country that they should align with people who are di directly going against their own best interests. Right. And it's astounding to me that they've been so brainwashed between Fox and own that they just can't see that the train is coming and they're the first ones that are going to go. And even now with this whole debt ceiling thing, I guarantee you yeah. 
People who voted Republican do not understand the thing that they're talking about not paying is federal bonds. And what is what are one of the things that's funded by federal bonds is Social Security. So right now, Social Security is saying they have enough money to pay through June if this doesn't get fixed. And then after that, nobody's getting their Social Security check. Now what? You have nothing. So, and, but these people, they all voted Republican. They're not calling their rep saying, figure it out. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's, we've really just done a, a, a masterclass job on how to convince that, you know, while you're grinding somebody into the, into the dust that they're doing, it's really in your best interest. And it's really these other people that are the problem. I've had a moment of clarity with that. It's not that they're voting against their best interests. They're voting for their interests. It's that their interests are, are to hurt other people or to, you know, that's what it's shifted to, unfortunately. All right, let's, like, I could go on for hours about all this stuff. So let's put the uh, first run Politicast to the side and say, let's give our grades out, Matt. I'm giving How to Blow Up a Pipeline an A. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it an A minus. Not quite sure the effectiveness of the metrics, but it's a really fun movie to watch. And you should watch it because at least it's a spark conversation as it's doing for the past 20 minutes with me and Chris. There you go. And you can watch How to Blow Up a Pipeline. It's available to rent and stream at this point now. I don't know if it's available on a streamer specifically as part of a subscription, but you can uh, rent it online now. If you had a chance to see it, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Okay, let's take a minute, Matt. Let's shake it out. Let's shake it out. Palette cleanser. <laughs> uh, let's go with... Yeah, and let's talk about what's coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, June sixth. And here is a uh, pretty, uh, pretty good four uh, K disc that um, man, I don't know if I'm going to upgrade it, but god damn it, if it's not a great little uh, dad potainment film. You're going to jail, pal. What is that? What do you think you have there? You broke the law. You. Such a boy scout. Look at you. You see everything in black and white. No, no, no. Not black and white, Ritter. Right and wrong. Oh, you see? There you go again. Why was I kept out of it? You weren't kept out of it. You're neck deep in it. You went before Congress and you got the money for it. You went before Congress and you lied to I me. never Under lied to Congress. You, you know it. You, you said lied. Congress advised. Oh, give me you that told shit. them no troops. There are troops, Jack. I didn't know that. You know I didn't know that. No, I have no recollection of that. That's the term you have to learn. Who authorized this? I'm sure they'll ask you that. Who authorized this? I have no recollection senator that of course is clear and present danger my favorite not hunt for red october uh jack ryan mm-hmm. media property sure i guess that's harrison ford of course had taken over the role after alec baldwin this is the third film in the original film series and yeah that's such a great one man i absolutely adore clear and present danger it's being released in 4k originally part of the box set but this is his individual release matt what's your favorite of all the uh jack ryan movies hmm. yeah i think if i i would go hunt for red october is my favorite i think clear and present danger is my as the is my second and then patriot games would be after that yeah what about noah ben affleck love some of some chris of all fears i haven't seen the chris pine one i have i mean some of all fears is and when i'm expecting dad tainment it's it's really leaves me lacking like the the first three films though, yeah so shadow recruit uh is not good no it is not good now. And that I watched the two, the, the Amazon Prime show, and I was not a big fan of that either with Krasinski. Yeah. It's just, 
I guess they just dropped the final season. I think the only two or three, like just the third season will be the last one. Okay. So I'm sure we'll get another reboot at some point in the next three to five years. So uh, what else, Matt? Let's talk about it. Number five. Uh, Mafia Mama is being released about a suburban American woman who inherits her grandfather's mafia empire, guided by the firm's trusted consigliere. Ooh, I was worried I was going to trip up on that one. Defies everyone's expectations, including her own, as the new head of the family business. I think this is kind of a comedy-esque with Tony Collette, okay. who plays the uh, titular mafia mom. I remember seeing the poster at the theater for, like, weeks. So, uh, but that's getting it to release after that. Scream Factory is putting out the, I believe, 1972 film, Private Parts, the horror film, not the uh, Howard Stern <laughs> movie. In the sleaziest corner of L.A., the King Edward Hotel, Matt, has a new arrival in the form of Cheryl, a runaway teen. She's hoping to put her life back together, but somewhere in the musty halls of the King Edward lurks another guest who just loves to chop people apart. A brand new 2K restoration of that, a new audio commentary, and a couple new featurettes as well. Then... Get three coffins ready. Uh-huh. Matt, I know you're excited about this one. Chris Pat is... It's-a me, a Mario! The Super, Brother, Super Mario Brothers movie is getting its physical media release. There's a steelbook from Best Buy. Walmart has a collectible tin star, you know, like the power-up star thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't find any special features online anywhere. Nothing. Okay. So I don't know if that means there aren't going to be any, or they just haven't pushed them out yet. And then this one... I don't know if I, I, maybe if I can get it super cheap, but I honestly don't know if I'm going to watch it again. But we did enjoy it. Looks like we're shy one horse. <laughs> you brought two too many. Renfield, Matt, is being released on physical media with Nick Cage as Dracula and Nicholas Holt as the, uh, I get to say it again, titular Renfield. What about you? Would you pick up Renfield? Yeah, it would have to be at a very bargain basement price for me to pick it up. Yeah. As I get older and realizing I'm staring down death, I'm <laughs> focusing much more on <laughs> purchasing things that I know I'm going to rewatch again. And I just don't know if I'm going to, I enjoyed it, but I think I might be good. And then finally, there can be only one. Criterion is putting out a 4k release of the classic Renoir film. The rules of the game includes an introduction by the director, audio commentary by film scholars, Comparison to the film's two endings and a whole bunch more. So if you're in the mood for one of the greatest films of all time, you can now pick it up in 4K UHD from Criterion. Matt, your uh, other 4K releases, all the uh, Indiana Jones films are getting their standalone releases. They're available previously as part of the box set or as steelbooks. Well, if you didn't want either of those, you can buy them individually now. As well as uh, The Lord of War is getting a exclusive Best Buy steelbook release. This is a Nicolas Cage film. And then finally, The Mummy Trilogy with uh, Brendan Fraser is getting a 4K release. Your straight-to-DVD pick of the week? I think it's a legit pick. It's The Assassin Club featuring Henry Golding, Daniela Melchoire, Sam Neill, and Nomi Rapace. Mm. An assassin man is given a contract to kill seven people around the world only to discover the targets are also assassins who've been hired to kill him. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? So in honor of our closing marathon i'm going to recommend one of the granddaddy uh mount rushmore heist films michael mann's heat is available on netflix and pluto with ads if you don't have netflix it is just an absolutely fantastic crime film as with one of the best shootouts and just the sound of those guns as they're fighting through downtown LA is is yeah. magnifique. It's it's a great great film. So I read too that so they put that out in 4K, mm-hmm. 
and supposedly it got really panned. And some people actually watched it on a really nice OLED TV with Dolby Vision. Yeah. And it said it actually was better. Okay. But you had to A, watch it kind of at night in a dark room and let the Dolby Vision kick in. And then the 4K transfer seemed to kind of bring more detail and more life to it. But if you watch it in a well-lit room during the day, kind of without Dolby Vision, then it looks kind of washed out. It doesn't look as good. Okay. But it's interesting. So, And you can typically get it pretty cheap. Yeah. So if you're a big fan of heat and you have that particular setup situation, it might be worth upgrading because it's like 10 bucks typically now because the transfer has been panned so much. Yeah, that's interesting you said that because I actually ended up, I bought that like last month. I haven't watched it yet, but it was like $8. So I was like, oh, well, I don't know, have it at all. So I'll, I'm going to buy it. Or I mean, I had it on DVD. So I was like, yeah, I'll buy it for $8. Um, so we'll see. I'll, I'll report back if I ever get around to watching it before the show ends. There you go. I had bought the Blu-ray remaster. They did a 4K remaster like two years ago, but they released it just on Blu-ray. Gotcha. And so I bought that because it was like $8, and I hadn't had it since DVD myself. So you have to report back and let me know if it's worth upgrading. Yeah, great. All right, Matt. Was there something else? I feel like there's something else I was going to say. Eh, couldn't have been too important, I guess. Let's close things. Nah, we're not closing things up yet. We're closing out our heist marathon, right. though, with the Hughes Brothers' Dead Presidents. Hey, hey, hey. hey young blood. <laughs> Bringing in the groceries, huh? Lord have mercy. Man, I remember when I was married. I used to love to bring home the groceries. Made me feel real good. Like a man. Know what I mean? <laughs> hey, listen, young blood, huh? I just dropped by to see Juanita and Sarah, you know, lay a little something on them. And, uh, I dropped by to see my baby. Is that right? You know, young blood, uh, I took care of your woman and your baby when you were in the war. Now, a man ought to get a little respect for something like that. Now, I ain't gonna lie to you. I care about Juanita. I care about a whole lot. But you back now. And I'm gone. So from this point on, you should consider me like a friend of the family. I don't know about that. So, Matt, that is a clip from the Hughes Brothers' Dead Presidents. And uh, featuring Lorenz Tate is our star. Also have Keith David, Chris Tucker, Tucker, Freddie Rodriguez, Bokeem Woodbine, Nabush Wright all feature in this film. And I confess, Matt, I have not seen Menace to Society, which kind of blew up the Hughes Brothers when they first premiered. That was their first film and uh, very culturally significant. And I, unfortunately, have not seen it. Have you seen uh, Menace to Society. Yeah, I have. It's it's really really good. Yeah, I gotta get around to that. And I've seen their other films though. Um, though they haven't really worked together since 2010's The Book of Eli, the Denzel film. I think unfortunately is pretty underwhelming. Though it does have a great score, I think, by Atticus Ross. So either way, From Hell, right? The Jack the Ripper yeah. adaptation of the Alan Moore uh, graphic novel. And oh crap, who's the artist? Oh, I have the damn thing too, and I can't remember now. I'm embarrassed. Sorry about that. But still, here we are, the final film in our marathon. And we run into a couple issues, Matt, right? Where we're very happy about Thief, because that was more of a heist film. Well, a couple of films prior, that wasn't really the focus. And again, I think we're back to that. We're dead presidents. The heist isn't the focus of the film, right? So Lorenz Tate's character, Anthony Curtis, goes to... Basically, he's a struggling young man. He's grown up in the Bronx. And he's trying to... He gets his girlfriend pregnant. He's trying to support his family. He goes to Vietnam, and it's a, a big chunk of that, basically, is dealing with Tate's character, kind of just coming to terms with his life, who he is, what he wants to do. 
He goes to Vietnam. We spend about, what, a half hour there. Uh, and then he finally comes home, reunites with some of his friends, reunites with his girlfriend, tries to, um, have, as a second kid, pay his bills, figure out what he's going to do. And eventually he gets sucked into this plot to knock off a uh, government armored truck that picks up like millions of dollars just to burn it. And then, of course, when the heist finally happens in the last about, what, 20 minutes, half hour of the film, as has been the pattern, things do not go well. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on Dead Presidents? Uh, first time watch for me, as I assume for you as well. How is this as part of the heist marathon? Was it uh, just as riveting as some of the other films? What are your thoughts? So for me, we'll have to see what Chris has to say, but for me, it was a bit of a letdown. I think we ended on a weaker note, which is unfortunate. I know that this uh, film has a lot of people who really love it, but for mm -hmm. me, I think there's just too much here. I think that if we had something maybe a little bit more focused, part of it is because I wanted a heist film. I wanted more of the actual crime piece of it, as opposed to this kind of long, you know, multi-year journey in this, the life of this one young man. And I think a lot of these vignettes through his life, they're all very uneven. And I, I want to say overstuffed and kind of soft at the same time. Like, I think there are scenes in this that are excellent, there are parts of this that are, are fantastic, but I think as you take it as a whole, it just doesn't hold together as well as it should. Now, for me, I was not particularly impressed with the Lorenz Tate in this. I didn't think he was very... He was okay, but mm. I didn't think he really sold it, and mm. I didn't really feel like he... I don't know. I didn't really connect with him, and the whole... And he's a side character, but I... I get tired of chris tucker very quickly i didn't think he was very good either um and even um huh. Joaquin woodbine what he's doing is is uh is interesting it's quite a whiplash from one from one character to the other but i don't know i i really wish we could have gotten more of the crime stuff because that's really when the film really comes into sharp relief focus on this thing yeah i think well i think woodbine i think is a fascinating character in the film because he is I don't know if he's allowed to engage his inner id in Vietnam when he comes back. He has to kind of revert to a different person who maybe he isn't truly who he is inside. But uh, I also disagree with you on Chris Tucker. I actually was really engaged by Tucker in this film. He's I'm used to him as this outsized, comedic, ridiculous kind of character. Sure. And he seems much more... I don't know, I guess for him, reserved and more human and more lifelike mm. in this film. So I was actually really impressed with Tucker. Tate, as well, is is solid. I think he's okay. And I love Keith David and anything that guy does. So um, you're not going to ever get any complaints from me from Keith David. I agree with you entirely. I think this film has some truly remarkable, accomplished moments in it. The transition from his running through the yards, hopping the fences to him, all then doing the same thing running through in Vietnam. When he returns and he goes to the bar and catches up with his friends, how he's clearly on some kind of platform and gliding through the bar yeah. as he interacts with people, right? Truly fascinating stuff. But then it also feels very amateurish at times. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the potential weakness of Tate's performance. If some of the shot selections as well look very kind of film school to me, very basic and rudimentary. Um, it does kind of come alive when, when the highest hits. You're entirely right. But I think it, mostly the film just feels like a collection of scenes and it doesn't have this kind of cohesive narrative flow. Right. I think there's a much bolder film buried in here that they just can't get control of. And I think it's disappointing because of that. I will say they know how to put together a soundtrack. 
I mean, the music, the needle drops in this and the cues are fantastic and perfectly helps shape the environment that Tate and the rest of the cast are in. And the makeup, too, at the end with the heist, it's one of the most indelible images of the 90s. Um, but still, as a whole, the film just doesn't quite come together for me, unfortunately. It's, like we said, some great moments, some interesting character work. I enjoyed Rose Jackson as well as Juanita Benson, who plays his girlfriend. I think, if anybody, she seems to have the most dynamic range in the film. It's, in the end, I think, slightly disappointing. And I agree with you. It is the weakest film in the franchise. Yeah. I think part of it is is that, you know, Minnesota... In that franchise, I should say. In the marathon. In the marathon, yes. forgive me. I think uh, the Minnesota Society is, is much more focused and it's much more, you know insular and i think it's much more it's lean right they that's their first film they're, they're they're young filmmakers and i think they you know made do with what they had and i think it's one of those things where the limitations kind of elevate the film because it forces them to be creative where i think with this after kind of all that buzz and you know it's their second film i think they took this idea and i think they just had too much to play with and they tried to throw all of it up there and it's just it just doesn't overall work um yeah i'm gonna give it a c plus mm. okay i am at a b minus so i guess i liked it a little bit more than you but um it's my b minus it's like an it's an 80 yeah you know it's it's pretty much right there and it's funny too whenever i see the hollywood pictures logo this is how old i am <laughs> i have a sense of nostalgia because that's it's Disney, right? But it's Disney's like adult films arm, which they've pretty much jettisoned. Right. They haven't done in years. I wish they'd bring it back. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's okay. It's all right. But the weakest in the in the in the marathon for sure. So Albert Hughes, one half of the Hughes brothers, uh, his next upcoming project. Know what it is? One episode of The Continental, the John Wick TV show. He directs the first oh, episode, yeah, so see right there. I'll be interested to see what he what that looks like. And he did Alpha, that 2018 prehistoric uh, action film. And I want to say, too, the Hughes brothers, along with Bruce Willis, were responsible for the U.S. adaptation of the British show Touching Evil, which ran on USA for one season with Jeffrey Donovan and Vera Farmiga. Bradley Cooper, before he was Bradley Cooper, is in that show as well. And it is one of my all-time favorite shows. One of those shows that just did not get a chance. It was entirely too ahead of its time. Right. And if it was released today, I think it would be a massive hit. Hmm. But unfortunately, it didn't seem to catch on. I had to, we'll just say, scour the internet years ago <laughs> to find digital copies of the episodes, which I eventually burned to DVDs so I can watch it. The quality is absolute shit. But And it also had a score. The, the, the guy who did the score for the show, which Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, yeah. did the music for it. Okay. I mean, it was so good. So if you ever have a chance to catch, find the U.S. version of Touching Evil, which they helped produce and create, I cannot recommend it to you enough. It is one of my all-time favorite shows. I've... I think I tweet or email at least the USA Networks like once a year to bring it back in some capacity just so I can buy it legit. Just please. Even if it's an SD DVDs, I don't care. So I love that show so much. Uh, Dead Presidents is available on uh, Hoopla and um, what's the other? Canopy right now. That's how I watched it. It's also available on Tubi, I think. It's one of those free with commercial. I think it's Tubi it's available on for just okay. until the end of the month. Um, so actually by the time... You're, you listen to this, it'll be long gone off of Tubi. I'm sorry. <laughs> there you go. I, uh, yeah, and it's, 
Man, that's one thing about Canopy too is that, or what I know is Hoopla is how I watch it. Some of those transfers up there, the the I'm sure they're kicking it out at maybe 720p, maybe even 480i. I think it's it was rough at times, but um, there you go. If you had a chance to see Dead Presidents, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, let's close everything out then and do our Heist Marathon Awards. Mr. Tiger, you didn't get a delivery or something? Sit down. Zinc, what? My name is Frank, and that was bullshit. What is it? This is Joe Gags. 185000 of my money. We have this problem. What problem? What are you talking about? He was moving my merchandise. So the money in his pocket when he went out the window is my money. This is a plating company. What are you telling me this shit? Shit? I want my money. Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Mr. Frank, uh, Lala, whatever. Some guy died? Yes. Your state goes to probate. Take it to probate court. What do you bug me with this? I come here to discuss a piece of business with you. And what are you going to do? You're going to tell me fairy tales? You're going to tell me fairy tales? <laughs> hey, oh. Hey, forget about it. <laughs> Out, of course, is a clip from uh, Thief featuring James Kahn. And um, actually, Matt, we should have done this. Whoa! <laughs> That's what we should have needed. <laughs> Now it's time for our Heist Marathon Awards. We're going to go through just kind of like the Oscars, but cooler, better, mm-hmm. funner, sexy. Mm-hmm. True. Matt, let's start everything off. What was your favorite performance by a lead actor in our Heist Marathon? All right. So we had some good choices here. And I think I think I know who Chris is going to go with. I ultimately landed on Al Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon. I think his performance mm-hmm. is excellent. It was really close. I thought James Caan did a really good job. I thought he was good in Thief, but I think ultimately I had to give it to Pacino. Yeah, I think that's a great pick, Matt. And if I had to go one and one A, one is James Caan. Mm-hmm. Here's my pick. One A is is Al. Absolutely. I think that's the way to go. But Khan is just, a, for me, he's a force of nature in Thief. The whole film hangs on his performance, I think. Well, man's direction and all that stuff, too, let's be honest. But still, Khan is the one that makes it riveting. I think it's the performance of his career, and I absolutely love the minute. So, yeah, I had to go with James Khan. All right. So what do you want to do next? Uh, I guess category. actress is what I've got next on my list here. Tough category. Tough category. I Well, I, I just mentioned it 10 minutes ago or so. It's Rose Jackson as Juanita Benson. Mm-hmm. I think she's the most dynamic performance in uh, Dead Presidents. Unfortunately, it's a marathon that not have a lot of female leads, let alone strong ones. It was her and Tuesday Weld that kept going back and forth on. Mm. But in the end, I think some of those line deliveries when she's begging Lorenzo Tate, get his life together, get a job, you have a family to support. And while he's dealing with his own personal stuff, I mean, that's another thing too with Dead Presidents. It tries to tackle the uh, PT, what the PTSD from the war. And it doesn't really, it's just, again, it's just a moment that has no impact really on the rest of the film. It's just, you know, 
anyway, we talked about it. But for me, yeah, it's Rose Jackson's Juanita Benson. She was the most engaging female performance I think we saw. Yeah, uh, same for me. I think she's really the only option out of the five films that we watched. I think Rose Jackson's performance, even though it's relatively small, uh, she does a lot with it. And I think she's a standout um, in that film. All right, Matt. I didn't, we didn't talk about it. We weren't going to do this. But I did want to give special praise to Chris Tucker. Mm. I actually had him as Best Supporting Actor at one point. But we decided to jettison the category. But I was, like, again, really impressed with him. So I just wanted to give him a quick shout out there. So then, Matt, who did the best direction in this marathon for you? Again, we have some really solid contenders. and But I think ultimately, I had to go with Michael Mann and Thief. Um, it's just so cool. He's got just a, a singular style. And I really kind of loved what he put up on screen. So, yeah, I think uh, Lumet and... Um, you know, is, is, is great. Dog Day is great. Uh, I apologize. I forgot who uh, directed Rafifi. Uh, but ultimately, I think for me, it's my, it's man. Yeah, it was Jules Desin, who uh, I remember also features in uh, Rafifi. But I kept going back and forth between Lamette and uh, man. And last night I had Sidney Lamette in there. And then this morning I had a moment of clarity <laughs> and I decided to go with Michael Mann. So uh, I agree with you. But I it's again, it's one and one A. Yeah. It really is for this. Because I think what Lamette's doing in Dog Day is fascinating. How he engages with the actors. And then also the the uh, shot selections, the, the crowd, the extras. All that stuff is fantastic. But in the end, man brings a particular style. And you can see the blueprint basically for the rest of his career here. He's going to fine tune and sharpen some of that stuff. But the the seed of it, everything is here, and it's wonderful to watch. So I think, yeah, Michael Mann is the proper choice. All right, so do you want to do film last or heist last? I was thinking heist would be last. Okay. All right, so then, Chris, what was your favorite film of this marathon? It's Thief. It's Michael Mann, Steve, James Caan. I just, just the the whole style, the neo-noir style of it. Um, I was the most engaged with that one. It was the most, I don't know, it was the most cool out of everything we saw and just the the mean streets there, everything, just the whole the style of it, everything. I think Thief had the biggest impact on me. It's the one I'm going to rewatch soonest. I had to go with Thief. Yeah, I went with Thief as well. I think I just echo everything Chris said. I think for me, what really sealed it is okay. I made I have three A films here. Which one of these would I actually buy in relatively short order? And it was Thief. That's the one I can see myself rewatching. So that's really a great way to do it. Which one are you going to watch again? Yeah, and it, it, it is Thief for absolutely. All right, Matt. So the best heist in the marathon was. For me, it was uh, the heist in Rafifi. I thought it was a uh, masterclass of just tension and silent action. And it really just set the blueprint for these type of films. I mean, I think Thief is a, is a close second because I think, honestly, it's the one besides, uh, it's the one that actually even has heists in it, I think, that, <laughs> that are, are long. But I think Rafifi is by far, of the actual heists themselves, is, is the most entertaining and best shot one. Absolutely. Rafifi, and it's not even a 1-1-A for me. It's if Rafifi is at the top. So intricate, so well shot, so fascinating conceptually uh, how the whole thing lays out. The Not even just the planning up to it, which is just as engaging, but when the height takes place, it's 20 plus minutes long. It's done basically in silence, just the natural sound around them and how they accomplishment accomplish it it is fascinating to watch so i think the only answer for you in this whole marathon is rafifi absolutely so 
There you go, Matt. So as as usual, we're we're right in lockstep except for one category, and we basically just flipped our one and one A's for that one. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. So so you like you say, Matt. So you know it's the right decision, mm-hmm. the right is, calls because we we're so close and we're so similar. So there you are. That was fun. I like when we do the marathons. I know the kind of things are up in the air for the rest of the year. We still got to plot some stuff out, but um, the marathons are always a lot of fun. So if you've enjoyed the Heist Marathon, what were your submissions for the awards? What would you choose? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We hope you were able to follow along with us. That's that. All right. Matt, what's coming up next week on the big show? Ooh, it's a doozy. It's a big week. I'm one I'm actually looking forward to. I'm very excited. Uh, we have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and we also have The Boogeyman. Two films I'm really looking forward to, and I'm excited to actually go to the movies for once in a long time. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I got to get those tickets for Spider-Man, too. I want to make sure I don't miss out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And the Boogeyman, you know, literally was supposed to be a streaming film, but it tested so well mm. that they decided to push out it for a theatrical release. Nice. So hopefully that ends up being true and holds up in the meantime you can uh, shoot us uh, an email at feedback at the go to the website the as well get an archive of all the shows and a report card that will be updated at some point you can also check us out on facebook twitter instagram youtube do a search for the first run scroll 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 and eventually you will find us i am back on my bs on youtube matt of uploading audio fi- uh, files of the show and eventually we'll be doing the live recordings Right now, we have some stuff going on for this next week. We're actually recording this show the day the other show, was, the previous show, was released. Usually, we uh, we have some time, but we have some scheduling issues. We wanted to make sure we knock this one out for you. Um, and then, where am I? I think that's about it, right? Apple Podcasts, give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And um, I'm going to double down this week. At the beginning of the show, if anybody big passes, we do an obit opening for them. Well, Tina Turner just passed, so we're going to have a Tina Stinger as well. So uh, rest in peace there, one of the lions of rock and roll music, one of the best that ever did it. And uh, everybody else, take care of yourselves. We love you very much, and we will see you soon. Take care. But how the world turns. One day cock of the walk, next to feather dust. Play something tun-tun, something tragic. Do you know who I was? Nobody. Except on the day after, I was still alive. This nobody had a chance to be somebody. So much for history. Anyway, water?